Let's pray together as we look into God's word today. Lord, we thank you for your word. And Lord, as we prepare our hearts and our lives during Advent, we ask that you would remind us of this, the specialness, the uniqueness of this season. Lord, it becomes so easily, it becomes commonplace to us. We, we know the story. But Lord, as we, as we journey through December, through Advent this year, I ask that you would touch us in a new way, speak to us in a new way. Lord, that we may hear from you. We thank you and we praise you, Holy Spirit, in the name of Christ. Amen. Let me ask you a question. How many of you yesterday were out in the garden? Anybody? Out in the garden? I looked out the window. I thought about it. I thought I might try and put my tomatoes in because it seemed like a good idea. You think that would be sensible? No. I had a free hour. I thought, I know. I could get my tomatoes sown early. Then I can have tomatoes before anybody else. Because you know what happens in church? Everybody's tomatoes come in at the same time. We all have, if it's a bumper crop, everybody's trying to give tomatoes to everybody else, thinking they're generous, because that's what we do in church. So I thought, I'll get ahead of the game. I'll plant my tomatoes. Not a good idea, huh? Oh, okay. Well, maybe Inika can resurrect something when she gets back. Uh, what about... You know, it's the beginning of December. How many of you woke up and thought, you know, December the 1st, this is a good time to start a diet. I'm going to go on a diet before Christmas. rather Because, you know, we always start New Year's thinking, but I thought, let's get ahead of the game. Let's start a diet before Christmas so that on Christmas Day I can just have some salad and things rather than the proper meal. Anybody think that's a good idea? No. You guys are miserable. You know that. Let me ask you another question. This is for Elaine. She's not even paying attention. She's talking to the service pastor over there. This is a question for Elaine Hamilton, sitting back there. Church manager. Look at the screen. Who is this? She has no idea. Who is that? Okay, anybody have any idea who that is? Who? Put, put Elaine Hamilton, Chelsea fan, out of her misery. Moretta. Moretta. You know him? Hazard. You're in love with Hazard, but not him. Okay. This is Moretta. He's, he's the striker for Chelsea. Do you know what his claim to fame is this year? He hasn't scored, that's true. But that's, he has scored, by the way. Do you know what his claim to fame is? He's been caught offside 
more times individually than the whole of the Bournemouth football team in the Premier League. He's only two times behind the whole Spurs team this year, and he's singly way out in front as the most offside person in the whole of the Premier League, which is why he probably hasn't scored very many goals this year. You know, timing is everything. Timing is everything. I looked up the other day. The 50 best Christmas cracker jokes of all time. I've got them here. You want to hear them? I won't give you all 50. How about this one? What do you call a cat in a desert? Sandy claws. Oh no, wait a minute. I was supposed to, sorry. Sorry, I was supposed to wait. Oh, that's bad, didn't it? Let me try that again. What do you call angry, oh sorry. What do angry mice send to each other at Christmas? Cross mouse cards. Bad, doesn't it? All right. Oh, I like this one. This is one for Phil. Where's Phil? He's back there. Okay. What do you get if you cross a bell with a skunk? Jingle smells. It's bad, isn't it? One more. This is the best. How did Mary and Joseph know that Jesus was seven pounds six ounces when he was born? They had a way in a manger. It's, I'm going to get rid of those. Okay. See, with jokes, timing is critical. No point me going, you know, about the mouse in the whatever, and then just telling you the answer. You have to wait. It's the anticipation that makes all the difference. And as it is in life, timing is essential. I didn't really do my tomato plants yesterday. I'm not really going to start a diet before Christmas. Miranda is actually been offside more times than anybody else. But timing, timing in our spiritual lives just as well as in life is so essential. Today we're going to look at this passage from Galatians 4, 4 and 5. It says, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a wooden woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. When the set time had fully come, God sent. You see, Jesus, as we think about his coming, the miracle is in the moment when Jesus came. He came at exactly the right moment when the set time that God had was upon him. He sent his son. You know, historians say that there was great expectation at the time of Jesus in the Roman Empire. Because the old religions of the day were dying out. People were turning away from them. And there were new uh, philosophies coming in because the old philosophies were proved to be just not, not really cutting it in people's lives. There was new religions starting to come in everywhere. 
And there was a great expectation at that time that something was going to happen. But also in the empire, we see at that moment that there was relative peace. The Romans had conquered most of the known world and they'd set up their armies and their camps and they, they were imposing a peace across the nations. There were small uprisings, but generally there was a peace across the known world. And peace means that there's freedom for people, freedom to go out and about. There's a, there's a strength and a, a confidence that comes when there's peace in the land. But there was also excellent communication. The Romans had built roads. All roads led to Rome. And they'd built all these highways and ports and everything else so people could travel right across the whole of the Roman Empire. And there was also the amazement of one language, Koine Greek, common Greek as it was known. A precise language, but a language that was generally spoken about right throughout the whole of the Roman world. And so it was at that moment that if you ever wanted to, to start a religion, if you ever wanted to start a new faith, you had a language that you could write it in that would be known right across the whole of the known world in those days. And you had a transport system that could take it quickly to the four corners of the globe as they knew it then. And you had the peace that you could get that, that message out. You didn't have to go through war zones to get there. And it was at that moment, that moment in history, when Jesus came. God sent Jesus at the right moment. When the time had fully come, Jesus came. But it was not just at the right moment. His coming was not a matter of chance either, because God is sovereign. In Ecclesiastes, it says this, There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. There's a special, a unique time for everything. God determines the right moment when he does things. He looks and he sees and he says, that's, that's the right time. That's when I'm going to do what I need to do. And then he sends his son. How? Well, look in Hebrews. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13, it says, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. God sees absolutely everything. It's like God looks down at the world like this, and he sees the whole, the big picture he sees the whole of the United Kingdom. He sees it all before him. But equally, God sees this too. You know what that is? It's a snowflake. Isn't that amazing? God can see everything in the big picture, but he looks down and he sees even the things that we can't see except through a microscope. He sees snowflakes and he sees the internal. He sees it all happening. So why, why can we say that God, God knows the exact moment? Because he's outside of time. He's there before. He's, he's the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. He sees it. It's all laid out before him. 
And he sees the big picture of what's happening throughout the history of the universe. But he sees the, the microscopic as well. He knows it all. He sees it all. Which is why Jesus said in Matthew 24, 36, he said, only the Father knows the, the time and the hour when, when I'm going to come back again. He has it because he sees it all. That's, that's the Father's role. You see, there are no what ifs in God's language. How many of you ever said, oh, if only, if only I'd have done this. Hindsight is amazing, isn't it? We look back and we think, oh, what was I thinking? Most guys do that all the time. Oh, what was I thinking? Shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that. If only, if only I'd have done this. Or, or we get into a situation and we make a decision and then we think, oh, what if I'd have gone the other way? We always do that in cars, don't we? You know, you see a bit of a jam up there and you think, now, if I go this way, am I going to get round it? Or is everybody else thinking the way that I'm thinking? And they're all going to go that way and it's going to be an even bigger jam. And so we risk it and we go that way and sure enough, it's a bigger jam than the one we were in. And we think, if only I'd have just stayed. You ever do that on the motorway? You're sitting there on the M25, three lanes, four lanes, gridlocked. And you start looking, which one's moving? And then you sneak out into the one that's moving and the car that was behind you goes shooting by. And you think, oh, if only I'd have stayed where I was. I would have got to where I need to get to. There are no if onlys for God. Because he sees it all. He sees everything. He doesn't have that conversation. It's not in his vocabulary. If only I'd have done this. If only I'd have known that. See, the, the key is this. In the hiding place, Corrie Temboom, she tells of a night when the, the German and the English planes were dogfighting above them in the skies over Holland. And she hears her sister Betsy stirring in the kitchen. And so she gets out of bed and she goes downstairs. And for an hour they sit there around the kitchen table drinking tea together in the middle of the night until the skies go silent. And then she returns back up to bed. And in her darkened room, she, she, she runs her hand over a pillow before she gets into bed. And there, her hand hits this big sheet of metal, 10 inches, that's come in through, through the roof, through the, through the wall, the window, fallen from some plane. And she races into Betsy and she said, Betsy, if I hadn't have heard you in the kitchen. But Betsy puts her finger over Corrie's mouth and she says, don't say it. There are no ifs in God's world. And there are no places that are safer than any other places. She said the center of his will is our only safety. Corey, let's pr pray that we may stay always in the center of God's will. You see, every stage in life has reasons. 
God sees it all, sees the whole of your life. So the whole of Jesus' existence or where he was going to come, he was there before the beginning, he's there at the end. But God knew, the Father knew the moment when he said, Jesus, now's the time. Now's the moment. Now's the time to come. His coming is not a matter of chance. God knew that was the moment. Mary and Joseph were the parents. The time had come. And it is as it is for Jesus, so it is for you and me too. He came at the right moment and his coming was not a matter of chance. And you know, this God's timing is always sufficient. Going back to that reading in Ecclesiastes, he says there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. And then the reading continues by listing those activities. It says there's a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. There's a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. It says there's an activity, a time for everything. Every season, every activity, it says, has its season. Not just 90% of our activities or 99%, but every single activity has a season. And then it describes activities that we would like and activities that are difficult. Peace we welcome, war we hate. We love some of those things and others on that list. We would rather go through life without them. But the word says there's a season for every single activity. A season for everything. And the problem is for us is that we sometimes get so impatient with the season that we're in. How many of you ever prayed, you've gone through, going through a hard time, and you say, Lord, why don't you answer me? Lord, why don't you rescue me from this season? I don't like the season that I'm in. Get me out onto a good season. Lord, hear my prayer. You've promised to answer. We even start quoting scripture. Lord, you promised to hear me. I don't like the season I'm in. Get me out of here. It's like I'm celebrity. Get me out of here, right? Get me out of here. I'm not a celebrity, but get me out anyway. I don't like this. You know what God says? God says, my son, my daughter, there's a season for everything. He says, what I'm doing in this season, I want to teach you things. I want to 
I want to impart things into you. I'm not going to rescue you from this because if I do that, you're not going to learn the lessons you need to learn in the season that you're in. Now, here's the hard thing. When do you learn lessons? You learn lessons in the tough times. I say it so often because it's true. It's in those hard moments that you learn the lessons that God wants to impart. The message of Jesus is the same. Jesus came to a no place, born in a manger, not even in a proper place to be born. Jesus lived a hard life. He went through Gethsemane. He went through the cross. He showed us that the way for intimacy with God is not through ease, but through sacrifice. God. The key is this. God's God's aim for you and me is not our comfort, but intimacy. God's aim for you and me is a depth in our relationship. And God knows that you can only get that depth, that beauty, by cutting away the rubbish that we accumulate in our lives. The problem is, we don't like that process. It's, it's painful. It's horrible. And we pray to God, get me out of here. I, I, I want to go deeper with you, but I don't want to pay the price. I want I this relationship to grow, but I want it to grow by nice things. I want it to grow with, with ease and with comfort. But God says the only way it can grow is through, through me pruning you. Through me cutting away the rubbish that's getting in the way of this relationship. I need to deal with the stuff in your life that needs dealing with for it to grow. There's a season for every activity. God says, my child, my son, my daughter, learn the lesson of the season. Stop praying, Lord, get me out of here. Start praying, Lord, teach me your lessons as I go through what you want to teach me. You see, we need to learn those lessons in life, the lessons in the seasons that God brings. John 10.10, 10, I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. That comes as we allow God to transform us and change us. There's a season for every activity under heaven. And lastly, God's timing is always surprising. It was surprising for Jesus, wasn't it? Well, not for Jesus per se, but for, for us who was waiting, who were waiting. 
In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Jesus was there, making the world, building everything that we see and that we experience. John 1. But then in verse 10 and 11, what does it say? He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, what happened? The world didn't recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own didn't receive him. Historians say they were waiting for something special at the time when Jesus came. But when he came, who recognized his coming? Well, no one, really. No one recognized the coming of Jesus Christ. The shepherds, well, they needed uh, an angel, a heavenly choir to come down and actually spell it out to them. Right, leave what you're doing. Go now. I'm telling you, he's born. Now get going. Wise men kind of figured it out, I guess, by looking at a star and, and searching the skies. But they came later. No one really recognized what was going on. Because you find that God's timing is not our timing. It never is. So irritating that, isn't it? I always think, you know, God, if you would just take my advice here. I've got this one, all right? I know you're the king of kings and lord of lords, but honestly, just, just do this one now, will you? God shakes his head. David, you have no idea. God's timing is never my timing. And so we're waiting. And we're wondering. And we're thinking, Lord, when are you going to show up? When are you going to do this? When are you going to fulfill your promises? When, when is all this going to happen? God says, I've got it all under control. But my timing, my timing is surprising. That's why in Ezekiel, Ezekiel 3.17, talks about us being watchmen. Watchmen were those that would stand on the city walls and look out. If there was an invading army coming, they would be the ones that would see them. If there was plagues coming of locusts or whatever, they would see them first because they were there. Their job was to keep looking, keep watching. God says you need to be watchmen. See what God is doing. Recognize his timing. Is that true for you? You see, Jesus was the miracle of the moment. He came when the time was right. He came because God says, now's the time, go. It wasn't just by chance, it was hand-picked before the creation of the world. God's timing is always sufficient. He will always, always see his will come to pass. But more often than not, it's so surprising for us. So what about you and what about me? Well, firstly, we need to understand 
God's timing for our life. What season are you in right now? Some of us may be in good seasons of our life. Things are just going great and everything is laid out in front of us and and we're going, praise the Lord. I, I can't help but being joyful. And everything is fantastic in our lives. Enjoy that season. But for many of us, the season is one of difficulty and struggle. There are stresses, there are things going on in our lives or the lives of those around us. And maybe you've been praying, Lord, get me out of this season. I I don't like this. Or maybe you're just struggling your way through it. Recognize that God brings these seasons for purpose. Be a watchman. What season are you going through? What is happening in your life? Because God, as he saw the whole of creation through to the new creation, he sees the whole of our lives too. Every day is numbered, the word says. He sees, he knows when you sit and when you rise, he perceives your thoughts from afar. God knows the seasons that you're going through. And he says, you know what? You're in this season. Recognize it for what it is. This is God's timing in your life. But then also, when you know the season, this is it. Flow in the timing of God. So often we battle against God's timing. We see the timing of God and we say, I don't like your timing, God. I've got a better timing. I've got a better season that I want to be in right now. And we battle against God's timing. You ever been out in a really strong wind? You're there and you're leaning like this. You're trying to go this way, but the wind's blowing you that way. That's what it feels like when you're battling God's timing. You're trying to get where you need to get to or where you think you have to go to, but God says, flow, flow with my timing. If you're in a difficult season, it's because I want to teach you something. I want to do something in your life. I want to take something and, and make you, make our relationship stronger. There's things I want to accomplish in you and through you in this season. And if we keep battling against God, you know what happens with that season? We just extend it and it gets longer and longer. Because God says, I have eternity to wait. I can wait. But I'm going to make sure you learn these lessons. Because if you've ever prayed to go deeper with God, he will take you at your word. And he'll say, I'm going to send the seasons to enable that to happen. 
Recognize the season that you're in. And then flow in that season. As I'm speaking about this to you, I'm speaking because it's true for my life as it is for yours. Sometimes God takes us into hard seasons. Seasons where you want to quit, you want to give up, you want to just, you know what? I fancy a beach in the Seychelles right now. I fancy, you know, just lying there and chilling out and forgetting everything and but God says, David, that's not your season right now. There's things you need to learn. Things I want to teach you. You want to go deeper with God? Flow in the season. Say, Lord, okay, teach me. Show me what you want me to learn. Do the work within me, Lord. I open my heart and my life to you. Take out the things that are holding me back. Remove from me the things that, that are just excess baggage that I don't need. Lord, take me deeper. Do the work. Prune me. Cut off the dead wood, the dead branches, that I may bear more fruit for the kingdom. That is the prayer that Jesus wants from you and from me. As you think about Jesus' coming and the amazing moment in history when Jesus came, he still wants to come in your life and in mine. What season are you going through right now? Phil, can you come and pray for us? Thank you. As Phil plays, just think about, just close your eyes. Think about the season that you're going through, that God is bringing you through. What is he doing in your life? What is he saying to you right now? And this morning, if you've been battling against that, saying, Lord, please, please, Get me out of here. Change your prayer. Pray like Jesus. Not my will, but yours be done. Lord, take me deeper. As painful as it is, Lord, I open my life to you, my, my heart, my core. Lord Jesus, do whatever you want to do in me. Whatever you need to cut out and remove that's holding me back, Lord, this morning, I open my life to you. Holy Spirit of God, come in with your scalpel. Cut out the rubbish. Nail it to the cross. Create me a pure heart, O oh Lord. And renew a right spirit within me. 
Lord, I won't enjoy the season, but I thank you for it. Because as you've promised in the vine and the branches, there will be increased fruit after you've done your work. Do your work in me.